episode six of the exit strategy we're joined by mark kapanagian the founder of Cryptown, the first exchange for startups and smes currently working on six ipos on their platform the porsche ipo at 72 billion us dollar valuation kim kardashian is fined 1.26 million over crypto post now let's hear the count you're listening to The Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarian, a recovering SaaS vendor, joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiori and Swadek Mazundar. And we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. It's always the best way just to start out because you never know when it's going to begin and when it's going to end. But Mark, it's his first time doing a podcast in English. It's true. I already did a lot in French, first time in English, so be nice I, with me. So I'm glad you guys are meeting uh, Mark here. Um, well, I mean, I'm just going to start this up right now because like, you know, everyone here is an expert. I mean, Mark is an expert in French, but like uh, you guys are already becoming experts in English <laughs> in these podcast things. But um, so, Mark, how I, did you get started on this journey to uh, create Cryptown? To be honest, I uh, I worked as a liquidity trader at Bank Rothschild, and I was doing some research in parallel on the risk factor on asset management, and I was making research in the illiquidity risk on large cap, and I found that uh, there was a lot of volatility bring by the lack of liquidity in some large cap, and I decided to. Uh, dig around and I found that uh, in small cap, the volatility on the market came from the lack of liquidity. And I extrapolate it to the non-listed assets, saying that if we bring liquidity to non-listed assets, we can really uh, increase the what we call the share ratio and the value of the asset because you take off a lot of risk because the risk came from the lack of liquidity so I decided to create Krypton to try to become the, the SME Neo Exchange in Europe, to be the pan-European Neo Exchange, Neo Exchange, to bring uh, easy way for SME to finance themselves and to bring the possibility to investors to find liquidity through our uh, exchange. So Mark, you, you know, we, we love Krypton. Cryptown's amazing. Things are always happening with the IPO market, the exit market. This is the exit strategy. So when we want to talk about exits, Cryptown is actually in the forefront. Not only are you guys technological, you guys are more advanced. You guys are actually ahead of the curve in Europe. So the the advantage here is that you have Ralph DeFiori, who uh, founded an investment bank and has done over 600 IPOs. You got Swadik um, Mazumdar, who is currently working on a SPAC and an IPO for uh, one's a tech company and Swadik, remind me, Zoomcar is a driving car share hailing company? Right, it's it's peer-to-peer uh, car rental company. I mean, Ralph, you know, you've been doing this, for, you've been in the game for, for a long time, you know, maybe like two, three years. I don't want to say your age because you're the voice <laughs> of reason and we don't want to have, there's called a non-disclosure agreement about age also. So, we're going to say that you've been in the business for two to three years, but after 600 IPOs, um, I mean, 
Mark, what are the big changes that you see? Because like the Euronext is obviously having a problem where you're more advanced than they are. So you seem like a great acquisition target or some kind of thing. So, I mean, Ralph and Mark, I mean, what, what are the changes? For me, the big change is we are uh, targeting smaller companies than Euronext are. So we are not in the same scope. And moreover, Euronext is the exchange, but we don't see ourselves as only the exchange because we operate all the primary market. We will have the CSD part and we will operate all the DVP. So it's a lot of different works and the Euronext is doing all today the exchange part and in some country, the CSD part, but we will do all the infrastructure at the same time. And so the work is clearly different. We, we may be a more compared, I don't know, to a, to a all-in-one trading venue that Euronext is not doing it today. So you had a company that you raised a million or two for like a year or two ago, and then they just raised a hundred million. Right, so you uh, you have this platform which can actually be like a jumpstart for a lot of companies as well. That's or that's what we want to be. We raised uh, more than two hundred k for LeoCare uh, two three years ago, and since then LeoCare did a Series A of fifteen million euro and a Series B of one hundred ten million dollar. So one, it's today one of the biggest uh, inserting company in Europe, and they're already and they are still lists on our platform. So that's our goal. That's uh, we help them at the beginning because it's hard to find this capital when you need between 100K and uh, 2 million euro. It's not that easy in Europe to find. And sometimes it's easier uh, with a good KPI to, to find themselves a big uh, round that those first round because it's more risky. And we want to be there for them at this stage then uh, they are still listed on our platform and they are living their best life. And uh, we are very happy for them because they are still on our platform and there is trade every day on them. So yeah, that's, that's a rule. Mark, when you say uh, 100K, is that 100 million or 100,000? No, no, 100,000 uh, at the minimum. So it's very small operation. We can do 100K at the minimum. Then we are hundred thousand, yeah, and we will go until two million euro uh, for the moment, and next year we'll raise the cap to five million euro. So it's very small operation uh, for uh, SME because I I'm not sure about the what the problematic is in the US, but in France and in Europe, when you are an SME, you can have I don't know fifty employees, uh, you can have a rented uh, business. Always, when you need fund to do R&D and or to find and found a new uh, business unit, you are going to ask your banks to have a debt, and you can't find capital in Europe. It's not easy to find capital. So, explain to the Americans what is DLT exactly. It's it's. I mean, I've read the document, but so this is a this is a podcast. Let's talk about it. This red ledger technology is a kind of a private blockchain, even if DLT is more large than only private blockchain, but uh, is to use uh, blockchain technology to try to, like a library for a developer, 
to make all the you know when you all when you're making the job of a CSD, your goal is to take the register of the company, shareholder register, and to maintain it. And the DLT is doing it natively. So when you use it in the right way, you can really easy, easily do this job. And thanks to the DLT part that can be open, like you can bring access to the DLT to exterior actor, you can invite invite to the DLT the market authority and that's something that we will have in Europe uh, next year and thanks to it it's very important because today when you are an exchange when you are a market infrastructure in France in Europe in US you are bringing you are going uh, to do a lot of uh, reporting to the regulator like regulator a lot of reporting and uh, you are going to send them a lot of stuff every day but thanks to the DLT you can give them access to the DLT with a read-only node, and you don't have to make reporting anymore. They will have access to the golden source, and so no reporting, and they find the information when they want. So it's very efficient. And it's faster, right? Because, I mean, Ralph, you, you, you've done 600 of these. So, like, you know, you have the things like the proposals, and then you have to file S1s. You have, uh, like, a 40-day cool-down period. Uh, depending if it's an S1 or an S3 or if it's going to be a, a shelf registration. I mean, Mark, how long does it take in your world? And Ralph, how long does it take in your world? Uh, in my world, when you, the first time the SME come to us to be listed on Krypton to begin the primary market, took between three and five weeks. We are doing all the work. They don't need anything. Uh, they don't need the auditor. We have all of it. Right. The primary market is going to take between two weeks and two months, depending on the investor. And after that, they are going to be listed on the secondary market. And all of the delivery versus payment part will be instant and automatized. So, yeah, that's how it works. Ralph, tell them about the SEC. Uh, well, it's not only SEC. You've got to do a bake-off, decide what uh, underwriters you want to use and who will accept you, right? Um, and uh, so you've got to pick an underwriter. Uh, you certainly have uh, a lot of legal expense depending on the how complex and big company is accounting expense uh it's a whole different uh, uh ball of wax than yeah. what mark is doing but but mark what what would you say is the cost for raising this capital or cost or the total cost because we have a business model the company is going to pay us uh between four and five percent of the amount raised so that's what we uh, make them pay for all the services, but it's at the end of the financing. So it's very non-risky for them because if, it, if they don't raise, they don't pay. So not very complicated. And all cost is uh, all the REG part because we did a lot of REG for all of that. So we are trying to, to uh, divide this cost in all the future financing. Uh, we have the operation team. 
So when a company raised through us, when they sent us the document, the white paper document, and all the author documents, we have a team that are going to analyze the document. They are going to make sure their all is complete. They are going to send to the all lawyer, etc. So it may take maybe uh, in days uh, per listing four or five days in intern in Krypton. Then we are going to pay our three experts. So the cost is more about. Uh, can I, can I ask you a fundamental uh, question? Uh, sure. Why is it so hard to raise capital in Europe? You, have you... Because people are less uh, risk taker. And because of that, there is a lot less of investor in capital than you have in the US. Because in the US, entrepreneurs are the base you know and everybody wants to support entrepreneurs and you want to invest in company in the us in europe and even in france people when they speak of invest they speak of real estate for 99% of european or maybe french people investment means real estate so capital is like uh, the more risky thing and because they are don't they don't know how to take risk and they are not sometimes willing to do it uh, it's very hard for a company because you have to find investors that are not used to what you are asking them. And that's the problem. Uh -huh. sure. So if we looked at like this Porsche IPO that's happening right now, right? It says here uh, Volkswagen owns 31.4% of the company shares and they have 50% of the voting rights. And then when you look at the actual underwriters of the IPO, you have Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, JP Morgan Chase and Bank of America. I mean, I'm surprised that for a German company, there's no Deutsche Bank, there's no uh, even a Dutch Deutsche Bank like uh, ING or uh, BNP. They, um, they didn't want to because they want to be an international car company or have high valuation in Asia, in the US, but not that high in Europe. So they want to go out of that and approach is the name first, you know, Porsche is one of the best brand. The name Porsche is like the most famous name in the car industry. But in terms of technology, uh, tech company, tech car industry have a lot of more valuation. So they want to try to uh, to sell the name and to bring the capital, to find a way to be as good as uh, other tech company are. So, so if a Chatsworth Securities picks up a customer, and then we say we want to do an IPO on Cryptown. I mean, I just thought of this now. How would that work? I mean, Ralph, how would as the, also the chief compliance officer? <laughs> what what will we have to file? So today we don't have to we don't have to file anything. The company has to file uh, in France. Yeah. So today we are raising company for European. Uh, raise it from to European company only, but you have to file only the document that we are going to send you, nothing else. But if we are getting US investors, don't we have to file or even have some? No, no, we, we, uh, we would not include US investors. Yeah, yeah we're, today, Krypton don't accept US investors, to be honest, uh, because of uh, extra territoriality of the u.s law so yeah but you Got accept it. u.s podcasts so there's a conflict here <laughs> yeah but uh, i think that uh, nasdaq and your stock exchange can uh, 
can be good partners. So I hope uh, you are going to send them this podcast. Well, we I, huh? I'll send it to my the guy I told you he's who's a Brazilian guy who runs the international IPO division. Yeah, um, perfect. Can I ask Mark? Um, What's the next step for these companies? Uh, let's say they're successful. Um, how long do they stay with you? Uh, or is there an alternative uh, platform or do they go to a bigger underwriter? Uh, have you had any experience like that yet? Yeah, you are very free, to be honest. Uh, you can do private around and in the parallel you can have VC invest in uh, you we had a lot of that happening uh, today but the next big step will be to do a delisting on our platform and a listing in other major exchange as nasdaq Euronex, etc so that's possible too we are very flexible so you can just wait and to live live your life as, uh, as a sme and to be uh, happy with the capital you from a person but you can still begin to do other round uh, to find VC, etc. And when you want, you can to be you can easily be delisted from our platform to be listed uh, anywhere else. So yeah, we, we want to be flexible because SME need flexibility. And I, I speak of SME here because that's our first goal. But at the end, we want to be like the new market infrastructure for all kinds of company. But it's very easy to find SME. It's very hard to find a big company. I'm not going to ask, uh, I don't know, Amazon to go on our platform. It's not realistic. But SME is easy. In maybe a decade, uh, when crypto will be, I, I hope uh, we can begin to speak with those big companies and to bring them value thanks to our infrastructure. Have you had any companies come back for a second round? Yeah, we had, we had, and uh, it was uh, pretty easy because the documentation is a lot easier. So yeah, it was fast. Right, I mean, and and what kind of, I mean, did they have a lot of success uh, following the first round? Is that why they came back, or can you give us any insight? It depends. The company uh, did a small first round and they decide when they had a better KPI to do a second uh, round with uh, a little more capital. So that was kind of the strategy at the beginning. And yeah, it is the if it's a plane, uh, investors uh, are okay with it. You know, it's, a, it's clear from the beginning. So yeah. Is there Excellent. a time Excellent. for follow-ons? Like you said, it takes about... Uh, two to five weeks for an IPO for a follow-on filing. How long does that take? May takes two weeks. Yeah, because okay. uh, we kind of already have all the documents. We, you, we need an update on some document, but some author don't need updates. So yeah, it's more easily. Because yeah. technically speaking, you could have hedge funds trade on your platform if you start getting enough volume and enough people to yeah. be engaged in it. Just like regular exchange. Swatting. We want to, but that's the next step. But we want to. At the end, we are here to be the infrastructure to bring liquidity to non-listed assets. So who needs liquidity? Like everybody needs liquidity. Why do you want to invest in something that there is no liquidity if you can have the same asset in a infrastructure where you can find liquidity? So our value is like something that everybody 
will want, but we have to grow to be able to make them understand the value we are going to bring to them. Swarik. Yeah, Mark, yeah, you know, you, you obviously your uh, platform, you said you have 4,500 users. Uh, you know, it's a double-sided. You have companies, SMEs on one side, then you have investors on the other side. And that's always a balancing act. Who do you get first, right? Or yeah. how do you attract one to attract the other? What's your uh, strategy? What do you try and attract first? Do you attract the SMEs to get the investors or you uh, get the investors to get the SMEs? You are totally right. Uh, I can say something more true than that. We are a marketplace, so we have to find the SME on one side and the investor on the other side. As I said earlier, to find SME is very easy for us. So we kind of not forget because we have a safe team, but it is not our first question, but it's very difficult because we are urban, we are French, and as I said earlier, people don't like equity there to find investor. So today we only focus on finding investor. And as we have the two sides, but in reality, when you have investor, you have the two sides. So we only need investor because companies are like very, um, it's a lot easier to find. So yeah, our focus are only on investor. Excellent. Marcus, you keep coming back to Kim Kardashian for some reason. Yeah, so Kim Kardashian, like I don't, in Europe, a lot of people don't understand the severity of the SEC and FINRA, right? R Ralph, as the, uh, one of the, uh, as a chief compliance officer, you know how much love the SEC likes to give to individuals. And this is a case where a woman who is a reality star post one post got paid $250,000 and then got fined five times the value of what she was charged. And I thought the rule was you get charged the, the, the sum that you made and then three times that. This one was five times that versus four times that. So it, it, in France, you don't see these kinds of things. And I don't think that in Krypton you've seen this kind of fines or penalties happen. I think you put uh, SEC is putting uh, all these so-called celebrities on notice, uh, and it's not just it's Snoop Dogg. It's you know there's so many basketball stars and celebrities who are do, who did similar things. So I think they're putting them on notice, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think so too. Uh, in France, so Krypton is not doing a. Uh, partnership with influencers so will not have the problem, but there is some um, reflection by the regulator to try to slow them to maybe not with fine like that, but more uh, about the regulation and uh, to try to tell them what they can do, what they can't do. So it's beginning to be more clear, but it's still not uh, very uh, Ralph should be an influencer. Ralph, I think you you can get two hundred fifty thousand per hit. No, what what what's uh, boggling my mind here is that you think if somebody was going to get two hundred fifty thousand, and uh, with her renown, uh, I'm sure she has uh, lawyers that should have figured all this out for her. Uh, I can't believe she just went out there without consulting uh, attorneys 
you know, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to understand if she did or didn't go to an attorney to get clear. I mean, because everything we do, we have to go to Ralph, Mark. <laughs> I, I saw that. If if it's not like if I want to use the restroom, I have to talk to Ralph. But if I wanted to put any kind of writing, or illustration, or newspaper article, or I mean, we can't post technically anything on LinkedIn that isn't like I mean that's outside or it's an opinion or it's construed an advertisement, which is the case here with Kim Kardashian. And I mean, here you know you had uh, Steven Seagal pay three hundred thousand in twenty twenty. You had in twenty eighteen Floyd Mather. Uh, Floyd Waymeather, uh, Mayweather uh, have the same issue. DJ Khaled, you know, in France, do you see these type of things, like where a celebrity says something about a crypto or some kind of anything? I mean, yeah. I've I've not seen this at all. No, there is no, there is a lot, 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 lot. But uh, because of French heritage, I'll less follower, but maybe the impact uh, are less important. But there are a lot of uh, influencers. But maybe they begin to understand that they may not be, uh, they may be on the target of the regulator. So I think they are going to think uh, maybe two times before uh, doing the next uh, publication. So Ralph, how how would you how would you see compliance changing with the crypto? With Cryptown, um, well, uh, I, I don't know about France, but uh, there's certainly uh, platforms in the U.S. that are similar, and yeah. um, you know they're they're sanctioned by uh, the government if they play, you know, within the uh, rules uh, that the SEC has laid out. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think it's pretty clear what the rules are, and certainly there's uh, multiple platforms here. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who they use NFTs. So um, you have an NFT representing. Uh, some kind of economic interest in the company, so it's it's pretty developed here, and I think the the rules are pretty clear. How how many competitors do you have, Mark? So we have a lot of competitors that are trying to find equity for a company, but it's more like a platform like you can find in US, like Kickstarter stuff, like kind of stuff. But on the capital market infrastructure part, we are kind of all today. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for the finality, we have a lot of competitors, but the way we are doing it, we are all. So Mark, do you have any questions for guys like Swadek and Ralph that haven't been posed yet? Just to make sure we don't let anything slide. I think this was pretty clear. I'm very happy to for having this podcast, all the questions was very pertinent. So yeah, the discussion was very good. And uh, I hope that the person that are going to listen to this podcast are going to enjoy because I did. So no, I can't find any, but I'm maybe a Ralph and so I think you have something to add. 
Yeah, I just I, I had another question. It's, it's very interesting what you're doing. Um, do you find that there's a particular industry or uh, stage of company that um, is more attractive to your investors? I mean, yes, but not for um, for uh, I, I found for something that are not linked to us, but because of Leocare that we have on our platform and Leocare is a star company, like everybody knows Leocare in Europe and they are listed on our platform. So, you know, uh, we are a small FinTech and because of that, people are coming only for them. And because of that, all insure tech company, so the tech company in insurance uh, know that we exist because Leocare, which are the biggest in the industry, are on us. So uh, because of they know that we are existing, uh, they are contacting us a lot to raise for us. And investors are used to invest in intertech companies. So we did a note intertech, another intertech company at the middle of the year called Santexpat. Uh, they raised uh, 800k euro through our platform in a few weeks. So that was a big success, very happy about it. And uh, we had a lot of insurtech company in our pipe here. Mark, why, why not do debt? You know, um, I'm sure there's some investors out there who will never invest a diamond in stocks. Uh, why not do um, debt? Because in the, when you are an SME or a company in Europe, it's very easy to find debt. Like there is not a big need of uh, a company like us in the debt industry because okay. all the gaps are filled. Equity, there is no body. So it's harder, but the, they really need us. For the debt, we will have a lot of competitor and the, what we are going to bring will be uh, maybe less important for them. Hey Marcus, okay. we cannot end. We cannot end uh, any podcast by not talking about Twitter's uh, uh, offer um, or, or uh, Elon Musk's offer to buy out Twitter again at forty-four billion. What are your thoughts? Elon Musk is the the knockout king. You know, he he keeps keeps going to different sectors. You start with the payment space, and he goes to space, and he builds cars. Now he's tweeting. There's so many things the guy can do. I don't know. You know, thank God he's American now because, like, uh, this guy's got more more companies in Rocky films. That's my thing. I think that the sec have a, a team only for him. Yeah, <laughs> must team six. That's what yeah, he's, I think he's, so. he's he's also trying to negotiate a peace peace treaty between Russia and Ukraine. At least he has a yeah, proposal on the so table. That. I I feel bad that he went through with it. Uh, he should have never. Uh, uh, you know, expressed any desire to buy it because he's such a brilliant guy and he's so uh, good at accomplishing what he wants to accomplish. I'd rather him blaze a new trail in technology than get bogged down in something like Twitter, um, which may have a lot of landmines. So uh, I'm... Uh, Sad to see that he's going through with it.
So do you think it was it was just uh, something that he dreamt of one day? And if you look at the pricing, it's he 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 goes with that four twenty, right? Which is uh, you know a, a moniker. Uh, so so he gave that kind of a price level. Uh, do you think it was just something that he thought of and you know as, as a joke, and it kind of stuck? Uh, and now if because of he being deposed, I think next week. Uh, he's come back and said, okay, he might buy uh, at the original price. Uh, you know, this, obviously the stock in general has climbed, uh, not at the 54 or $55, but at $47, $48 currently. Uh, you know, there might be m- more negotiation to that, but uh, do you think he might just buy it one day? Because this seems like a distraction to him from what you're saying, Ralph. Well, I mean, if these announcements are accurate, it looks like he's going to buy it at what he originally offered. So, and and then maybe sell uh, it down the road, right? This is not this is not something that uh, I don't know. He likes more deep deep tech and uh, you know stuff uh, that that kind of generates different interest levels. I imagine he's buying at a forty-four billion dollar valuation. He's not buying forty-four billion dollars. It's kind of like with Porsche that has 34% of uh, Volkswagen has 34% of um, Porsche, but they have 50% plus of the voting shares, you know, because we've, we've, we've learned that the more deep you get into tech, you'll have like valuations announced. And then like, when you look at the SEC filings, it's like half the amount, you know, and it's always, it's always this thing because it's always like a distraction when we're trying to work. And like people tell us like, oh, this is what I want for my company. And I'm just like, well, here, let me, let's walk through Edgar's, which is, you know what Edgar's is, Mark? Edgar's? No. Edgar's is a site where you go, it has all the filings, like the the 8Ks, the 10Ks, the 10Qs, uh, you know, any kind of uh, updates regarding companies, like uh, they change the executives. And when you look at like, you know, a lot of these companies, there's what you see in the press and then is what you see in the filing, like how much cash was actually distributed to the company. And it's, um, it's always a distraction because a lot of people, they see, you know, the, the press seems to be getting looking for clicks. It's not really looking for, yeah, of course. you know, they're, they're not giving full disclosure on things. I think that like, if you were to have the press of today versus like 50 years ago, you would see something quite different in terms of what being uh, announced. But. Well, you know, something you, you, you mentioned, uh, Porsche. So uh, maybe Ralph can answer that. I was trying to find the the answer to that. You know, it seems like for the market stabilization, which is part of what the underwriters do as well, uh, they have a 15% green shoe. Uh, usually it's 10%. Uh, but have you seen 15%, uh, Ralph, in your experience doing these IPOs? Oh, I I can't remember. Uh, there there must be. I, I think it's you know the more attractive the issue, um, the more uh, people want that green shoe. Which, for people who don't know what a green shoe is, it's just additional shares that the broker could sell. Um, so if it's a very uh, attractive offering and a huge demand, of course the underwriter is going to take down that uh, those green shoe shares and sell them and make more money uh, for the underwriting. 
So uh, I, I'm sure there have been others. Well, I've, I found that interesting because I don't know if that's thawing of the IPO market in general, because there's one coming out uh, in the U.S. as well, Mobileye, uh, which is owned by Intel. Uh, you know, this whole technology uh, winter of technology that happened um, all of all of this summer, all of 2022, really. Um, I don't know if that's going to be turning around sooner or later or not, because I know that tons of technology companies waiting in the wings to go public in the u.s well they should be using oh yeah w w let's see i'm waiting for Cryptown to start doing the same thing one day i, I we got to get you to hire ralph in order to get you registered in the united states yeah. <laughs> that's the we want to because there there is a country that have the culture of ipo U.S. is the country to be uh, when we want to do an infrastructure that bring efficiency because the efficiency we are bringing to Europe is needed too in the U.S. because you need more efficient infrastructure. It will cost less money to the to the company. It will cost less money to the banks. It will, the efficiency is needed as in Europe as in U.S. But uh, today's forest is kind of a big step to go. So Ralph, I will take your number and then maybe. Uh, when we'll have uh, this more capital in our company, we will call you uh, to see how we can manage to to go to the US, try to bring efficiency to NASDAQ, Eurostock Exchange, and other bigger uh, market infrastructure there. Swadek, Ralph, you, you ready? The future is calling you. It's right in front of you. <laughs> <We're good>. <laughs> 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 I, we, I think we are ready. We are ready. We're, we're ready. We're ready. We're ready to bring Cryptown to the United States. We're ready for the future. We're going to call it today, guys, because, you know, we're passing that mark. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to call an end to a good thing. And right now, I think it's that moment. Mark, thank you so much good for stopping call. by. I'm glad you're able to meet Swadek and Ralph. You know, we call Ralph the voice of reason. Swadek is the doer. I'm just the voice, <laughs> you know. Thank you so much. Uh, very pleased to do uh, this podcast. Sorry for uh, the English. Another uh, was easy. I hope I was understandable. Understandable. Sorry, Mark. The best English school in Paris yeah. is called Wall Street English. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so thank you all. Very happy for this podcast. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Great stuff. That was episode six of the Exit Strategy with Mark Kipanagian. We look forward to seeing you next time. Like, share, subscribe, and see you soon.